It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Monday, November 23rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our Tribe beat writer. Paul Hoynesy, we've, uh, we've got some Tribe news today, some, uh, some Indians chatter. The Indians have hired DeMarlo Hale as their next bench coach. He replaces Brad Mills, who uh, Millsy served as, Brad, uh, as uh, Tito's bench coach for, what, the last six years uh, there in that position. Uh, yeah, really, well, I, since 2014, he was the right. third base coach his first year and came moved into the bench coach in 2014. So Hale, uh, not too unfamiliar with the idea of replacing Brad Mills as a bench coach because that's what happened back in 2009 uh, when Tito was the manager in Boston and Millsy left for to take over uh, the Astros. Uh, Hale moved in and was the bench coach in Boston under. Frank Kona for his final two or three seasons there in uh, with the Red Sox. So uh, really the, that sort of comfort and familiarity is, is one of the reasons why Tito uh, brought Hale in. Yeah. That, you know, you've got to have a good working relationship. A manager and bench coach have to have that. Um, you know, he's his right hand guy. He's the guy that, you know, uh, as, as you know, the relationship between Millsy and Tito, I mean, at the end of every game, Millsy would go around and talk to every player about whether they were going to be in the lineup or not the next day. So, you know, you have to keep that line of communications open, and that's that's part of the bench coach's job. And is also, you know, you have to offer strategy and, and, and uh, in-game strategy to the manager and have to keep giving him options, all sorts of different options as the game progresses. And And that seems really like something that, uh, DeMarlo Hale is, is suited to do. He was with uh, the Braves the last two seasons in player development, uh, also as an interim first base coach. Uh, but he's got an 18-year coaching career uh, after uh, I, I believe he was a, a minor leaguer with the, the Red Sox back in like 83. Uh, never really made it to the majors. But uh, when he began his coaching career, he's been in Toronto. He's been in Baltimore. He's been in Texas. Uh, you said that he worked with uh, Sandy Alomar in Texas. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Sandy, and he said um, uh, uh, DeMarlo was um, his, uh, his, one of his coaches when, when Sandy was finishing his career playing with the Rangers in 2005. Said, you know, gave him a glowing recommendation, said he's, you know, got a good relationship with uh, Tito and is a good coach. So that's interesting. And I guess we've got to get into the dynamic of, uh, you know, with uh, with Alomar being such a 
you know, having such an impact on this past season, you know, as the acting manager, you know, you wonder, what, was he involved in, in this process of, uh, of uh, you know, being, perhaps getting the, be the bench coach job? And from what I've heard, you know, apparently uh, he, he was not, you know, you would think him and Mike Sarbaugh, the internal, would be the internal candidates, but I'm not sure if that was the case, at least. I'm, I'm getting conflicting reports at least, but, but, you know, I think Sandy, from what I, from what I know is happy with, you know, being back at first base. Um, he thinks he, you know, he has a big influence on the running game there. And he's also can continue working with the, the coach, the uh, catchers on the team. So, uh, you know, I think he's happy and uh, so we'll see. And, uh, you know, at least that's what I, that's what I picked up from the Zoom right. call. Uh, a lot of our subtexters and our, our subscribers who have communicated back and forth since this announcement was made uh, this afternoon have, have expressed sort of outrage on behalf of Sandy or, or something. You know, is, is this an insult? Is this, uh, you know, some sort of demotion or why aren't they giving him a chance and that kind of stuff? And, and it really doesn't come across from, at least from Sandy's uh, point of view, as, as that being the case. I think Sandy's more comfortable and just He's satisfied and happy with being in the position that he's in right now as being the first base coach. Uh, maybe, you know, in years past when there was some sort of flirtation or some sort of, you know, idea of maybe I could move up and be a manager uh, and, and for that to have shaken out the way that it did, maybe he's disenchanted with that whole process now. And, you know, we've heard him say, Hey, if it happens, it happens uh, that kind of approach to it. But I, I really don't think that, uh, you know, at least Indians fans shouldn't get upset on behalf of Sandy Alomar if, if this is what he wants to be doing. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, Francona said he's got more responsibility than any first base coach in, in the game. Um, and he also, um, you know, he, was, he said he was stunned that nobody really, you know, gave, gave Sandy a chance or, you know, an interview at least, a chance to manage it. You know, well, there were three openings this year, mm -hmm. uh, kind of all, you know, slam dunk cases. I mean, LaRusso was a surprise in Chicago, but uh, there might be an opening. You, know, you never know. That might turn into an opening at some point. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, uh, Francona said, you know, he thought, uh, what, how did he put it? He thought he put, you know, Sandy had like a 54 game introduction or, uh, or interview process and aced it. Yeah, that's what he said. He said he aced his his managerial interview right there. Uh, I think, and and we could all agree, you know, just watching uh, that there were times when Sandy really sort of maybe sort of said he felt uh, like the he couldn't do certain things because the it wasn't his team necessarily. But but really, for the most part during the season, he he passed any sort of test that that you could have really put out there. Uh, as far as how th this is going to have the team working moving forward, Tito said this is a, a continuity thing. This is, you know, you you take Brad Mills out, and this is a guy who's you know Tito's best friend, and uh, you know very close with him. It, he he did so much for the organization and for Tito personally. Uh, but but Tito said he knew that it was it was a maybe not necessarily a a, a difficult decision, but it was one that. Mills made with without hesitation. He had to be with his family. Yeah, especially you know with after uh, losing their grandson in spring training, a young grandson in a tragic accident. Um, that uh, I think um, Millsy 
you know, made that decision then to uh, stay with the, you know, go return to Texas, be with his family. And I think that was still, uh, you know, that was still his main focus when he even really, when he came back for spring training too, and, you know, kind of set camp up and then, and then opted out for the rest of the season. And, and the Indians seem to be working on, you know, a role, give him some role as of yet undefined with the organization. Right. Uh, but, also, in the announcement, we learned that not only will Sandy Alomar go back to first base, Mike Sarbaugh, Sarbaugh go back to third base, but Ty Van Berkelio, the hitting coach who opted out uh, early in the season, uh, he will return uh, as the hitting coach. And every other coach basically on the roster uh, it will be back in their, their same positions. Uh, so Tito mentioned that, you know, this is a, a continuity thing, and that, it, that really sort of uh, was – was one of the factors in, in making this decision. Uh, people are questioning, you know, is, is Ty Van Berkelio uh, coming back uh, a, a good thing for the organization? What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think he's fine. I mean, uh, you know, if really, uh, you know, I think he, what he opted out in early August and, you know, the offense really didn't improve when he left. So it wasn't like, you know, he's the guy. I think it's more, you know, sometimes, uh, what do they say? It's the singer, not the song. You know, it's uh, so sometimes you got to have hitters. And uh, well, in 2017 and tw 2017 and 2018, the Indians had hitters, and they were the the number two or three offense in in the American League. So, uh, you know, he's nobody was complaining about Ty Van Berkeley at that point. Yeah, and the hitting coach and the pitching coach always catch the most flack from fans and the media. Uh, you know. The pitching has been great for the Indians for the last three, four years. So, you know, I think the, the, it's the, uh, the uproar is directed at the hitting coach. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if they wanted to make a change, they could have made a change when, uh, you know, Ty Van Berkeley opted out and uh, they brought him back. Uh, they brought uh, Victor Rodriguez back, his assistant. So we'll see how that goes. All right. We also uh, learned, uh, got an update on Terry Francona's health and his situation there. Uh, says over the last six weeks, he's been working out with a, a guy out in Phoenix and uh, he's been, or, or two-sided, right, in Arizona where Tito lives, uh, somewhere out in the desert. But uh, I'll tell you, on the Zoom, he looked really good. Uh, you know, he, he looked like he was in, you know, good spirits and says he's feeling stronger, says he's doing things to, to make it so to ensure that He'll be able to, to get through an entire season. And uh, that was an encouraging thing to hear. Yeah, that's great. That's, uh, you know, I think that's key. Um, that's a, a big uh, factor for this team. I think, uh, you know, as, as good a job as Sandy did last year, they miss, they miss Tito. Even Sandy said that. And I don't know if it would have made a difference, you know, in going down the stretch. I mean, they, 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 did, they still finished 35 and 25. It was still, mm -hmm. you know, a pretty good run great run really in a short season uh but i think this is tito's team and he needs to be back in the uh, dugout and i think he missed it so you know when he's there they're a better team yeah it, i mean if he had been there it would have given carlos santana a head to smooch at some point but that's <laughs> that's really uh you know one of the only things there hey uh wanted to mention uh the 40-man uh, roster additions that came down uh in the afternoon on friday uh, the, the Indians had to protect uh, a certain number. They had five open spaces on the roster uh, to protect prospects from the Rule 5 draft that's coming up later on next month. Uh, infielder Gabriel Arias, who was acquired in the Mike Clevenger trade, 
Uh, he was sort of a no-brainer on that. Nolan Jones, their top prospect, he was a no-brainer uh, to be protected. Uh, the other three names on the list, Ernie Clement, Eli Morgan, and Carlos Vargas. Uh, those were the guys that the Indians chose to protect. Uh, some pretty big names out there, guys that, that were left off in terms of prospects that the, the Indians have been developing along. Uh, the biggest among them, Will Benson, the, uh, the number one overall draft pick in 2016. Yeah, uh, Will Benson, six foot five kid, uh, big power, big strikeouts, and uh, you know he they drafted him out of high school, and uh, he he hasn't got above a ball yet, and you know he was the first pick in that great 2016 class, and uh, so far, uh, you know he's out there, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody takes a chance on him in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, not having played above a ball, I I think the chances are pretty low that somebody's because the, the, the rule is you have to keep him on your major league roster or offer him back to the team that you took him from for, you know, like, uh, what, $50,000? Half the drafting price. Half the drafting prices, $100,000 drafting price as well. So uh, chances are pretty good Benson will stay with the club. Uh, but, uh, you know, a guy like Ernie Clement, that's a guy who, who might at some point be up with the club depending on what they decide to do at second base this year. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you can. <laughs> there's a big hole in the middle of the, di- the middle of the Indians infield. If you know, if if as we expect or we predicted that Lindor gets traded, you know, Cesar Hernandez is already gone. So, you know, you're going to have to find some somebody to play shortstop and second base. And uh, you know, I guess it's reasonable to assume that if you make a deal for Lindor, you'll get you'll get an infielder back, a middle infielder, some kind of middle infielder. Back, but uh, Ernie Clement, you know, plays good defense. He could come up, be a utility infielder. He could play a little second base. He could play shortstop. As far as Eli Morgan and Carlos Vargas, these are two righties. Uh, now that they're on the forty-man roster, these are these are candidates. Even though they're you know single A, double A players right now, these are guys who, with maybe another uh, at some point in in, in twenty twenty one could be making spot starts uh, for the rotation, depending on how things go. Yeah, Vargas has a great arm. He's got a ways to go. But uh, Morgan is more in the line of, uh, you know, Savali and, and uh, not, I'm not going to say Beaver, but Savali and Plesak. He's been groomed that way. He could, uh, you know, definitely be one of those guys that gets in the pipeline and kind of comes, you know, really out of nowhere and, and helps his rotation. So he's getting close. And, uh you know, that's another, that's what they do really well. They take kind of, you know, not average pitchers. I won't say average pitchers, but, you know, kind of, you know, run of the mill guys or, you know, you know, big under the league. radar guys. Yeah. Yeah. Under the radar guys and, and develop them. And that's, uh, and I guess Morgan, you know, Morgan is a guy to watch in that vein. All right. Well, one guy who was definitely not under the radar this year was Shane Bieber, uh, Cy Young award winner for the Indians. Uh, really just the he was the best pitcher in baseball from uh, start to finish this year and the Cleveland chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America uh, voted this past week to name Shane Bieber their man of the year Uh, the prestigious honor pretty much the the highest honor we as the baseball writers locally can give anybody on the uh, on the the Indians roster Uh, Shane Bieber fit the bill from from start to finish the other uh, the other nominee for the award was Jose Ramirez, who was a finalist for the MVP award. But, uh, you know, really Shane Bieber uh, showed throughout the, the season, not just uh, on the field, but off the field and dealing with the media as well. 
uh, he, he really sort of embodied all the qualities of a man of the year uh, that we, we look for when we, we hand out that award at the end of the season. Yeah, no question about that, Joe. He had a great season. And like you said, from start to finish, he really, he really did a great job. Um, what the Indians went 10 and two in his 12 starts. He went eight and one, won the triple crown. So hard to argue with uh, Shane Bieber. And then uh, we, we shift over to the other award that the, the baseball writers chapter in Cleveland gives out every year, the good guy award. And that's really uh, an award that deals less with, you know, what you did on the field and more with what you did off the field. I believe last year they, we gave it to Carlos Carrasco. Uh, in, in years past, we've given it to, uh, you know, players who have done, done a lot of charity work or who, uh, you know, are generally the, the best guys to talk to and, and, and really deal with and treat the media, uh, you know, really well and, and, and are, you know, most, most e the easiest guys to interview, those kinds of things. Uh, really the, the qualities that um, you, you look for in players that are, are approachable in the locker room. Well, it was, it was kind of different this year because we didn't approach anybody in the locker room. So uh, we, we sort of came together as a, a chapter and, and decided that the work that uh, Bart Swain and Corberry Tripp and all of the Indians baseball information uh, department really sort of, uh, you know, did this year. Austin Contrullius, uh, Megan Ganser, uh, Jeremy Fedor, uh, those guys uh, on, a, on a daily basis were there for us. And so we, we decided to give the good guy award to the Indians uh, baseball information department. Yeah, Joe, without them, if you think about it, without them, there's this, there's no, there's either no season or it's a very boring season because we wouldn't have got to talk to anybody. Uh, they set up the Zoom calls that, you know, connected us with the players, not only us, but the fans. And uh, so I thought it was, you know, I thought it was really uh, uh, apropos that they, they, they get this award. It was such a upside down season. This is all new, you know, the technology involved. They had to take it on the road. You know, we weren't, no, no, none of the writers were traveling with, with the team. So, it, you know, we, that was our lifeline, really. And they, they did a great job with it. And, uh, you know, Curtis Danberg is the head of that department. They just, they really, you know, whatever we wanted, we basically, they, you know, they really worked hard to uh, give us what, you know, the, the players we wanted, you know, the front office people we wanted. Uh, we got to talk to a bunch of different people this year that we usually don't get to talk to. Yeah, there, there, there was a, a degree of access that we sort of hadn't had in the past that, you know, guys within the organization made themselves more available to us. And part of that had to do with, with Tito not being there on a daily basis. I mean, right. we're used to seeing and talking to Tito before every game on a, on a daily basis. Uh, we, we would get Sandy, uh, you know, pretty often. But, you know, once in a while, Carl Willis would pinch hit for him. Uh, Chris Antonetti would jump in on a, on a Sunday morning or something like that. So it was, it was actually really good to get a variety of the way that we did. But again, it was Bart and it was Court setting all this up. And then not only did they set all this up, but they had to wipe down microphones and, and sanitize things because they didn't want, you know, they're following their protocols as well. I mean, all we had to do was sit back here and, and log on to the, to the Zoom calls. Uh, those guys were actually out there on the field, wiping down microphones and headsets. And it was, it was pretty crazy. I, I, I look forward, you know, years down the road when we can look back at this, at the craziness of this season and sort of remember and bring up some of those things. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember court running out onto the field with, uh, 
with uh, a cell phone to, to video some of the player reactions because he was in the bubble and he was one of the people who could do that because nobody else could. There was nobody else to do it. So uh, I just think, uh, you know, it, it, well-deserved for the effort that they put in. They, they earned their, their salary this year plus some. Yeah, you're not kidding. Just a great job from uh, kind of start to finish, just like Bieber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two no-brainers on the awards this year. Uh, okay, so, hey, you know, it's it's uh, the start of Thanksgiving week. It's not like uh, – uh, I don't know. What, what are your plans? You getting a, you getting a turkey this year, Hoinsie? What's, what's yeah, we got, I got the turkey already. Bought the, bought the turkey. Uh, we're just having – I don't know. Jackie and me will be eating a lot of turkey, I guess. I don't, but uh, I don't know if we're going to – we might have a couple, you know, some – I don't know. We're still kicking it around. Hoinsie doesn't, doesn't want to admit to anything right now because he doesn't want Governor DeWine knocking yeah. on his door th uh, Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Saying he's got too many people at his house. The uh, turkey police. We're keeping it small over here. I, I, I th Thank goodness that my sister – is, is going to cook a, a full Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, just like Meals on Wheels, I'm just going to go over there. They're going to throw it in the back of my car, and I'm going to pull away. I'm gonna, no, it's contactless delivery, but I'm getting a full meal from my sister's house. This is going to be – All right. I, I could actually probably leave the house in my pajama pants, which will be great. Just <laughs> drive over there because I, I won't even have to get out. But, That's great. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we are definitely staying away from all human contact in my house. Uh, uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, and I think we'll be all right by that. Uh, and I guess we'll maybe let's check in again uh, Wednesday before um, before the holiday break there, and, and then we'll we'll be off the rest of the week. But we'll give you another podcast here on Wednesday here on the Cleveland uh, Baseball Talk podcast.